0: After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. For everything, for everything Indy, for everything Colts. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome into the post-game edition of the Blue Horseshoe podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. Colts fall to the Steelers, 24-17, and George, just like we predicted, Colts win. Colts win the easily, first double-digit win of the season. This Colts game goes exactly how we uh, how we thought it was going to go.
1: I mean, we are still perfect <laughs> when we pick the Colts to win this year, so there there is that.
0: Oh boy. But
1: also, you know, we got to get used to this. This is going to be like uh, Blue Horseshoe after dark the next couple weeks. Anyone who gets to watch one of these clips, I got the, the Cinemax lighting going on here <laughs> in, in the background. We're all set.
0: Oh, we are all set. Let's get a little weird. Like I said, we're recording this at 12:30 at night after the Colts lose to the to the Steelers on Monday night. So let's get a little wonky. Let's get a little crazy. Cause what the hell, George? The Colts right now are making things spicy. Not in a good way for sure. We got a lot to dive into from another loss on the season. A loss that is we'll talk about it. Maybe the worst of the season, most embarrassing of the season. There's some there's some areas there that could make that answer yes uh, when that question is being thrown out there. But the defense, very poor performance for sure. The offense, I mean, it's literally wash, rinse, and repeat, George, here, with in terms of shooting themselves in the foot, whether it's bad penalties, whether it's untimely sacks, whether it's awful turnovers, all within the mix there as well as they only score 17 points, their average for the season, which is, again, par for the course with this offense for sure. But we can't start the pod anywhere else but in terms of clock management. Now, in one essence, it's almost kind of a miracle that Jeff Saturday made it three full games without having some sort of snafu from his inexperience pop up. But boy, oh boy, did it pop up and it didn't it pop up in a grand way on the national stage. Two minutes to go, George. Jeff Saturday just doesn't believe in timeouts. Doesn't think that they're necessary. Maybe he's holding them for the Dallas game next week on Sunday night and thinks I'll take six timeouts into the first half because they roll over. Whatever his thinking was. The clock management was absolutely horrendous. And, George, you have the Colts burning literally one minute and 30 seconds, and they gained in that minute 30 seconds a grand total of 11 yards and, as we know, did not score a touchdown, did not even get really any sort of chance, and they lose the game.
1: Yeah, but he's not afraid. I mean, that, that's the part that not you're afraid. missing
0: in all this, right? He's not afraid.
1: I guess timeouts fall under <laughs> analytics, and so he didn't really pay attention to that. And So Jim, no, I mean,
0: uh, who cares about timeouts? It's,
1: it's an incredibly inefficient final drive, um, but it, it's just sort of fitting for this season. I think this game was a microcosm of the whole year. It started off awful. You're, you're sort of sitting there thinking, can they really be this bad at halftime? Uh, come out in the third quarter, completely different team. They raise hopes. They get the lead. It looks like the entire game's been flipped on its head. And then in the fourth quarter, they can't finish. Uh, they give up a touchdown, a backbreaking touchdown, and then they can't drive down and, and get the tying score. So, which I mean, ultimately, look, they did us all a favor. There's no overtime, right? I think that's what really what what Jeff Hardy was going
0: for. We were texting during the game. The one goal is here, no free football Please <laughs> And this game, one way or another. We can't be going any later than this game was. And maybe that's what maybe Jeff Heard, loud and clay, said you know what I want to get out of here too.
1: I, you know, what I, if so, hats off to Jeff Saturday. That's really (laughs) good doing us a solid here. And, you know, it's just, I think the thing about this team is you're you're 12 games in and it's different people and it's a different way every week, but it's the same story, you know, over and over again. Whoever the head coach is, whoever the starting quarterback is, whoever the play caller is, there's a, a couple really key mistakes, whether it's a penalty, whether it's a sack, whether it's a turnover. Uh, and then there's just inefficiency through, you know, late in the game and, and you end up falling a few points short, in this case, seven. Um, but, you know, it's, it's another one score loss. I think they're four, four and one now in one score games, which is not terrible. I mean, that's you know, if you're taking care of business outside of that, you'd feel decent. Uh, but here you're sitting here at four, seven and one and you're, you're really we're talking about the same bugaboos, for lack of a better word. Again, it's the same thing. Again, it's a little bit different. I think the defense will get into this later, but the defense was much more culpable today than they have been in the recent past. Uh, but offensively, it's the same story. You start slow. Uh, don't take advantage of a chance to get back in the game. Turn the ball over a couple of times and finish
0: horribly. I and mean, we talked about it after last week's loss to the Eagles, George. It's like the... The people can change. The situations can change. The timing can change of when these mistakes are made and who they're made by. But at the end of the day, you're right. They always compile. There's always about two or three that, you know, really kill a drive or really kill an entire momentum for the team. And you end up on the losing side. You end up, you know, not even again breaking 20 points. Again, you're scoring 17 points in a game where this defense, and we'll talk about the Steelers' defense, and which should have been a, a really good passing attack, actually was the total opposite. And in this case, George, we're talking about mistakes. You know, again, Jonathan Taylor fumbles. I know it's credit to Matt. I still don't understand the official score why they're crediting the fumble to Matt Ryan instead of Jonathan Taylor. Whatever. Either way, doesn't, again, doesn't matter. It's a fumble by the goal line that absolutely is costly. And then a chance to tie. We want to say win the game because Jeff Saturday, if they somehow score a touchdown, no way in hell he's going for two points there. He said he's, again, that's analytics. And that's, we, we don't, Jim Mercedes it's not like analytics. And that's why Jeff Saturday was hired. Because he's anti analytics and he's not scared. But at the same time, you are being scared by not going for it. But anyway, long way of saying two minutes to go, George, in a chance where you could tie or possibly take the lead uh, at home. And it's like, it's just mind blowing how, again, they allow an opportunity to be squandered where it's fourth down and three going into the two minute warning. You convert there, you get four year to Michael Pittman Jr. I have no problem not taking the time out there, nor do I think they should have taken a time out there. You're on, I believe, what is it, the Pittsburgh 37? When you are, or that um, after the conversion, it's, it's a Pittsburgh 33. So you still got plenty of time to go about. And then you allow a sack on first down. Matt Ryan scrambles on second down, and then on third, and you call a, a run to Jonathan Taylor. All of those waste a grand total of a hundred uh, a minute thirty seconds you gain a grand total of 11 yards and you're sitting here 30 seconds left after fourth down and three. It's like, how do you think that time is not a, in the post game press conference? Cause I don't know if you mentioned yeah. it just Saturday's excuse was "Oh, time was not the essence there. We had a third down play called no matter what. And we felt, you know, we basically feel like time was not a factor in that situation. Despite the fact that this offense couldn't go anywhere. And again, you're sitting there if they were to convert in a fourth down and three, which the play had no chance to begin with, but if they convert in a fourth down and three, you're looking at, well, uh, around the Steelers 25-yard line. I believe it was the 23 is a yard to gain uh, for the first down with under 30 seconds left. H- how is time not in the essence there? I, I don't understand yeah. that logic whatsoever.
1: No, and like you said, it's really the first time in three games that you kind of see the rookie coaching mistake You know, with, with that time management. So I-, I give him credit on that end, but I don't understand the explanation at all. He was adamant. He was asked the three or four times in three or four different ways in that post-game press conference about it. And he was adamant that, well, they had a play call that they liked and, and they didn't feel like they needed to, to call time out there. And I I don't understand that. Even if the run worked on third down, which it didn't. Right. Uh, even if the run worked on third down, you're talking about 30 seconds left. at, Like you said, the 23-yard line. And you're putting yourself in a needlessly difficult position. Uh, you know, and, and Steelers, you know, on the fourth down call, apparently they jumped the in routes, which is what you should do. there, Uh kind of force the, the Colts to go to the sideline. And obviously Paris Campbell was double teamed and that play didn't have much of a shot, uh, from the get go. So, you know, there's, there's just so many things that go wrong uh, with, with, it just feels like every week there's so many things that go wrong, uh, that, that add up to this, but we talked about it, you know, again, last week, that's uh, Pete Roselle in many ways, this was his utopia. This is what he wanted every week. It feels like in this league, anybody can win. They're all one score games. It doesn't matter whether you're playing the car, you know, they play the commanders, the Eagles and the Steelers, three teams all over the place in terms of, you know, how they've done this season and all three games are, are pretty much the same.
0: I mean, they're yeah, they're,
1: they're all really close losses and you're coming down to these these late game mistakes. Uh, and it's just, that's, that's what separates the good teams and the bad teams right now in the NFL. It's, it's not, you know, there, there's a lot of other things that go into it, coaching and, and, you know, mobile quarterbacks and all these kind of things. But ultimately at the end of the day, it's who's making plays in the fourth quarter and the colts just, or not just in the fourth quarter, like just, I already said last week throughout the game, who's making those five or six plays that make the difference in the game. And, and the Colts, you know, far too often this year are, are not that team.
0: No, absolutely not. And nor do they give themselves really a chance to be able to be in position to make some plays like, you know, even when they are and they, they screw it up. But also too, like I said, it's sometimes just giving them one extra opportunity. And the thing I don't get George is like, I saw this on Twitter from Warren Sharp, who's a very, you know, just smart overall football, football person. And he made a good point where, especially if you go back to the two minutes in the, in the, um, lack of time management. You have a sack on first and you're sitting there at second and 17 and then you have Matt Ryan scramble to get it down to third. And I believe it was three. You have both one, you know, just a tired offense where every, the receivers are running back after the sack on first down. Then you have everyone kind of running up, including the offensive lineman on second down. Number one, you could just give your, your chance, your, your, I should say your players a breather there just to catch their breath in a high stress situation, but also number two, give your play caller a chance to make the right call. Parks Frazier, this is his first time he's ever calling plays. This is the third game of his career where he's a play caller. This is the first real opportunity for a two-minute drill in the fourth quarter to tie or win the game, uh, where the Colts are actually moving and having some momentum. Right. Because the last week, the Eagles that they didn't really kind of get anything going. So let's just say this is the first real opportunity in the red zone or in the opponent's territory to make something happen there. So now on the second, on second and 17. With the clock running, you don't even allow Parks Frazier really an opportunity to be like, Oh, what do I call here? You're not anticipating a sack on first down, so you're not really ready for a sack if that happens. And then on third again, after the scramble, it's like, well, now you have two, three, four seconds to come up with a play call right right there, ready to go. It just you're not giving your players and you're not getting your first-time play caller a chance to truly put your offense in the best position to succeed. So just, I mean, like you said, George, it, 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 we're a broken record here. But it's the same kind of thing every single week where it's the, the situations may change and who's making the mistake may change, but it's overall, collectively, the Colts, when you add up the season at the end of the year, however many wins they have, they're clearly falling short of their you know what we think they're going to accomplish this season. And you could sum it up large part to just not being able to be put in positions to succeed, and when they have been, not coming through. But I think today was an opportunity, especially in the two-minute drill and clock management, was a strict case of not giving your team and your play caller – by not calling timeouts in multiple occasions to give them the best opportunity to succeed by putting them in a position to where they can have time to catch their breath and also time to call the right play call.
1: Yeah, and that was part of his his defense that we really, you know, as as I said, not really buying it wasn't really a good defense. You know, he said, Well, Parks already had that that play call up. We were actually going on to the fourth down play at that point. But I think it's just one of those situations where, you know, as you said earlier. You call time out there. You get everybody a drink of water. You, you give everybody a chance to to get a breath. And that includes Parks Fresh. You can sit down and say, okay, do I really want to go with this run here? I know they're trying to catch them off guard. They've done that a few times throughout the year. It didn't work, so it looks worse now. But my whole point on that is even if it did work, you're still not in good sh- right. situation. You're still not looking, you know, you still wasted 90 seconds getting there and, and getting it done. I, I, I just don't. The clock management in there was was highly questionable. And again, uh, you know, the Jeff Saturdays credits the first time in, in, in three games where that's the case. But today it's highly costly uh, on a day that I thought the offense overall, they only played one good quarter. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You you had terrible first half. You had a terrible fourth quarter. You got hot in the third quarter and that's it. You know, it really only had one good drive. I mean, you want to talk about the, the first touchdown Put that on Dallas Flowers. He had the 89 yard kick return to set that. It's good that they finished it because they haven't done that far too often this year. Uh, but you know that's that's more Dallas Flowers and, and Bubba Ventrone than it is right. the offense. They had a good drive after that coming down the field and and getting a touchdown. But well, actually after the fumble, uh, you know it, it's just. It, I mean, I, it's like I said, it's a broken record, but it's the same thing over and over again. A fumble, poor clock management whatever it may be. Those are the specifics today, but I feel like I could write the same story for all seven losses. Well, five of the seven losses, Jacksonville and, and uh, New England were different, right? But you know, five of the seven losses, I could just change the names and the specific details. And it's the same story.
0: And you bring up the offense. That's a great point too, George. Cause again, to just kind of wrap up at least the, the clock conversation here, wh- even if, like you said, even if the, the John and Taylor run in third and three works, or even if the Colts convert a fourth and three, they keep the drive alive. To your point, this Colts offense all game was not really consistent, not getting anything going for the entire game. They averaged, what was it, 4.7 yards per play. So, again, even if you're sitting there at the Pittsburgh 23-yard line with, like, 25 seconds left, like, it's not like the Colts have been explosive. Honestly, this this game, George, felt and reminded me a lot of the Week 7 game against Tennessee – where Tennessee basically knew the Colts cannot throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. And so Tennessee was up pressing in, in you know, in these receivers' faces. And for the most part, this Colts offense today, especially passing, was not explosive whatsoever. Outside of a few Jelani Woods plays, which credit to him, you know, being a big body and kind of having a mismatch on some smaller, uh, smaller defensive backs, like there was no explosion whatsoever. So even if you were sitting there. At the twenty-yard line with twenty-five seconds left, like you are going to need if like five or six more plays just to possibly get in the end zone, they don't have time for that. So just go also go straight. with like when you look at like part of being a good head coach, I feel like sometimes like coaches overcomplicate the game. Like it's really not that difficult in certain certain situations where coaches just overthink it. For Jeff Saturday, like it's also just having a feel for your team and having a feel for the game. The offense was not really humming, like you said, for really three, three and a half quarters of this game. And anytime they were getting it getting something going, it was the fact they're going on 12, 15, 17 play drives and just kind of getting five to six yards at a time. So there's no reason to think, oh, well, we don't need to worry about time because we'll just get, you know, two plays, a big, you know, big play, 20 yard plays, and we'll be good to go. That's not the case because that's not been the, the case all game long. Gotta got to read it there, and he did not do that either.
1: Yeah, it's not been the case all year long. I mean, this is right, just that's not also true. Offense, you that's know, it's true. just not. Uh, granted, he wasn't here for the first 11 games or nine or or whatever it was nine games, uh, that he wasn't here for. And, and we know he wasn't watching the one right before this, so I'm sure there were other ones that he missed. Um, so it's a it's just part of the whole this whole fe- this season, has felt so disjointed. Uh, you know, nothing really fits together, nothing makes a lot of sense. Every, every event, as much as it's the same story over and over again, every week, every event still seems to be like independent upon itself. It's almost like when you're, you know, when you're in school and you're trying to like they give you that assignment and the the next kid has to pick up the story wherever it's left off, you know, like (laughs) if you took like a theater class and, and, you know, there's an improv and that's what this season feels like. It's disjointed. You just kind of, something happens and then somebody takes it in a completely different way and then something else happens that, that doesn't seem to line up with anything that came before it and yet even having said that it somehow all leads back to the same final outcome so i don't know how that is it's it's really strange uh, but nothing makes sense in in concert with anything else all year long and yet the one thing that's consistent is this offense you know not being able to to make big plays not being able to execute when they need to and shooting itself in the foot at almost every available opportunity.
0: And the frustrating part too is like, especially when you look at it from a national perspective, like this is the second national game the Colts have been on. Uh The first one, you go back to Denver on that Thursday night was at week number five, I believe off the top of my head. And so like, you go from that week five game against Denver to this week, 12 game against the Steelers. There's not a lot of difference, really, no difference whatsoever. George with this offense, like, sure, they scored 12 points there, at least they got in the end zone twice in this game. He gets the Steelers, but it's like, other than that, like you mentioned, disjoint like a lot of the adjectives you use when it comes to disjointed, like sloppy, not explosive whatsoever, you know, turning the ball over. Now it's not one word, but you know, just careless of the football. A lot of those same sentiments, a lot of those same feelings that just fans who don't watch a Colts every single Sunday, they just kind of watch them on the national, you know, stage and isolated windows. You watch that Denver game, you watch this Pittsburgh game, there's not a lot of difference, and that's a major concern considering the quarterback you have Matt Ryan is now more comfortable in this offense compared to when he was early in the season. You've changed head coaches, you've gotten rid of the offense coordinator, you've made a million different moves in the offensive line. Like there, we've talked about all the changes, and still, just in those two kind of areas early in the season, now later in the year. You can't see a true tangible difference. And even the slight marginal differences, they're wasted away and out, you know, uh, outshined, if you will, by the mistakes and the lack of ability to make the big play on offense when you really need
1: to. Yeah. And I, I think the probably the most disappointing thing is if you look at the last three weeks as a whole, the, the Philadelphia game's a little bit of an outlier as far as pass protection goes. But the last three weeks as a whole, they they've protected the quarterback better than they were. Still not good, but it's improving. The running game, not where it was a year ago, except for the, the 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 game in Vegas, but it's improving. I mean, this is the best three three week stretch Jonathan Taylor's had this year. It, it's still not where you want it to be, but it's definitely better than it was, you know, earlier in the year. And he's definitely healthier and, and getting more done. Uh, and even that hasn't turned things around. I think that's one of the things that that's really frustrating. You felt like if they were a little bit more efficient running the ball. If they could protect Matt Ryan a little bit longer, things would change. And now we're seeing that maybe that's not even enough of an answer. Um, it's there's still breakdowns in those things at, at key times, and that's definitely part of this too. You know, it seems like they can never quite get that that two or three yard run when they need it. They can, you know, they're running better on the hole, but still you fail on third and three, uh, for instance. Uh, and, and you still seem to have sacks at some inopportune times. And I think there were times today where Ryan made a play where maybe the the pass protection wasn't the best, but he stepped up in the pocket and, and especially with Johnny woods there in the third quarter, you know, found a guy down the field. But I think that's the, the, the frustrating thing is it's not just the changes. You even get a little bit of improvement in an area that, that we've been harping on all year. And still you get 17 points right around that season average. You're still right where you've been all year long.
0: 17 points. And then you look at like Matt Ryan too. I mean, even it comes to like when we talk about explosiveness or lack thereof, like, he finished the game just five point nine yards per attempt. It's it's the second lowest of his of his uh, of the season. First one was Tennessee week seven. So again, you go back to like, we we t- you can reference different points in the year of how this offense looks and whether it's early in the year or now. You're not seeing many changes. It just it's so maddening. It's so frustrating. It's another game where, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, at some point George has to come on us for expecting different for expecting that. Oh, the the opponent here is. One of the few times it's going to be actually worse than the Colts, and they have a you know a secondary that could be taken advantage of, and maybe you know the offensive line, which is starting to give a little bit of growth, and maybe at least you know giving Matt Ryan a little bit more time on a consistent basis compared to early in the year. Like you could see sort of some signs of growth and comfortability there, where it's okay, maybe that they could put all together in this game and this specific opponent you could take advantage of. It's like shame on us, shame on us for honestly thinking that you know. Things are going to change. It's, we are truly living out the definition of insanity, and it leads to a 24-17 loss to the Steelers. Inexcusable, inexplicable loss, I, I would say. So we'll get into that on the other side here, George, because let's talk about the defense. They were, they. were We made a proclamation on the preview pod on Friday about the defense that let's just say did not come to a fortune, and we'll discuss was this the most disappointing loss of the season. We'll tackle that when the Blue Horseshoe pod does return
1: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message
0: and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, and welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Reineke, George Brummer here with you. If you somehow like this podcast, if you're a glutton for punishment, let me tell you, got a lot more coming to make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast because we got a, a lot of at this point, we'll just laugh in the misery, the, the final third of the year, because, boy, oh, boy, boy, misery does love company. So join us, please. We'll be here the rest of the season. Hopefully, you will as well. Make sure, again, downloading and liking and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your podcasts. So, George, this is a game where we thought the defense was going to really have, you know, have its way with the Steelers' offense. It's been really hit or miss, but mostly pretty bad so far the season, especially with the rookie quarterback and Kenny Pickett on the road. Take the same, not the case whatsoever.
1: No, and that's that's truly the biggest disappointing thing to me about this game. I mean, yeah, the offense was a disappointment, but they were who they are. I mean, that's that's not unexpected. They, they were what they've been all year long. The defense uh, just did not have it today, and, and I would say it was their worst game. When you put it in context with with you know, the opponent and the situation, the fact they're at home, that's on prime time. We were talking about coming in. This was a chance for them to make a statement, show the country that they've been better than, than maybe they think they've been. Uh, and they just didn't have it today. And I don't know if it's because so many guys you make excuses. Obviously, I don't know if it's because so many guys were sick and didn't practice most of the week. You know, I don't know if Pittsburgh just came out with a, a much better game plan. I will say this. I mean, Zaire Franklin, who I think is one of the best guys on this team in terms of just standing up and, and telling the truth. Uh, and you said after the game, at halftime, he kind of gave a speech. I think Jeff Saturday alluded to that in, in the post-game press conference. And I asked him, "What? what did you talk about? And he basically said, it's calling out people's manhood. You know, he felt like they got pushed around in the first half. They're at home, and they're not going to go down like that. They might lose, but they're not going to be soft. You know, that was kind of his point. I think they did. They got pushed around in that first half. You haven't seen that very often at all from this defense. Uh, certainly, they got they got it together in the second half, uh, only gave up eight points. Uh, but, again, it's at a critical juncture, and I think that's, you know, we keep talking about the same things that happen on offense over and over again. The defense kind of the same story. Not a lot of points given up in the second half. But it seems like when they do, it's always at some critical critical spot in the game. Uh, and today, in general, it just wasn't acceptable. I mean, 24 points and over 300 yards against this offense, the way they were struggling coming in, I think they were like 28th in scoring and 27th or 28th in rushing and 29th in passing. They, they didn't do anything well. And I know they've been getting better a little bit each week under Pickett, but for them to step in there and, and have a day like this, uh, it's truly just an unacceptable performance by the defense, and they'll be the first to say it. Uh, but a real missed opportunity by them,
0: you're 100% right. And you look at this season like they lost 20 for nothing in the Jaguars week two, and that was uh, a game where everyone played bad, but you can make the excuse look, they're still new to the offense, still kind of working in Gus Bradley's system. You gave up 20 points to the Texans, which now, if you look back at the Texans' George. that tie looks worse and worse and worse. And that offense is just so inept or 20 points is inexcusable. But again, early season, you give the excuse, oh, they're still trying to find their way, their footing. And that's what I'm with you. Like, this is by far the most disappointing uh, game of the season for the defense. And even statistically, it's not like it is. Like, they gave them more yards and points to the Jaguars in week six in, in a game they won ironically enough. So it's not like even statistically you can point to say, oh, yeah, they gave the most yards, they gave the most points. Obviously, it's easy that, you know, you can say it's worst defensive performance of the season. But you're right. When it comes to context, not that the Jaguars are a world-beard on offense, but the Steelers' offense coming on in, where Kenny Pickett's thrown eight interceptions to three touchdowns on the season. They are one of the worst scoring teams. Now, they're above the Colts, but by, you know, barely by, uh, you know, a uh, slim margin there. So you have a defense that, like you said, was playing some of their best football. They held the Chiefs to their lowest point total of the season. They held the Eagles just last week to their lowest point total of the season. And now it's like in back-to-back weeks, you allow 17 points to the Eagles and 24 to the Steelers. We you talking about that first half. George, I mean, honestly, the first half was one of the worst first halves this team has had. Maybe the worst. The only other thing that would rival for a half would be that Titans Week 4 game when they just were obliterated. I think it was 24-3 at half, and they couldn't stop Derek Henry or anyone. But you look, Kenny Pickett, in the first half alone, 14 of 18, 133 yards. They had 16 first downs, 232 yards of total offense. Inexcusable, unacceptable to what they've been putting out so far and how consistent they've been at shutting down teams and, and taking what they do best. For Kenny Pickett to come in look comfortable, there's no excuse for it.
1: No, it looked a lot like those early season games you are talking about with Davis Mills and, and Trevor Lawrence in week two. Uh, where that quick passing game was just killing them in the first half. It was really just, you know, a couple steps back on the drop and then letting go of the football. And, and even a couple times they did get some pressure. Uh, Pickett was able to, to scramble and get away from them, which has been a problem for the team throughout most of the year. Uh, but to do that today, you know, against this offense, that's the one thing. I think I picked 16-13 or something like that. You know, it's, I wasn't shocked by the offense not being able to get things going because the, the Steelers' biggest weakness Uh, was also the Colts' offense's biggest weakness. They're probably, well, now I think we can safely say they're not going to take advantage of anybody in in the secondary all year long. Uh, But on the other side, it seemed like that was playing into the Colts' hands, that that, that you had an offense that they should really dominate, that they should be able to hold down, that they should get a couple takeaways on. And it, it didn't happen. You know, It happened for one quarter. The third quarter, when I don't know what happened, there was a vortex here. That third quarter had nothing to do with the rest of the game. The other three quarters looked nothing like the third quarter. Uh, that's the only time, really, when the defense dominated the way you thought they would this whole this whole football game. Um, you know, it, it's just it's massively disappointing. And it, the other part of that is, look, we've given Gus Bradley a lot of credit on this podcast. And I think he deserves it because I think overall he's, he's had a really good year, but one thing he continues to do, that's baffling to me. And it showed up again during that, that touchdown drive. Why is Brandon on face on playing so much in these key situations? And I know they got injuries later in the game that, that forced some of that, yeah. you know, when Kenny Moore came out with the shin injury at that point, they had a healthy group and, and you've got him out there and not just out there. He's out there on Deontay Johnson, George Pickens is the highlight guy. He's the sports center guy. He's the guy more people are likely to know. Deontay Johnson is the best, most prolific receiver right now on this team. And you can bring in on out them out there on him in a drive where you're trying to protect a lead. The result was pretty predictable.
0: And he's lucky that you know the one touchdown. I believe it was the next player too. They they punch him for a touchdown anyway. But I mean Deontay Johnson ball in the corner ends him. He just dropped it. Like Brandon Faison's yep. hand was. There, but he did nothing to break up the pass. He got burned on on the fade route. And like I said, Deontay John just has a habit of dropping the football. And the Colts got lucky there in terms of just that specific play not ending up in a touchdown. Like I said, Brandon Faison not, you know, being even more towards the ire of Colts than, than there already is right now, frankly. But it's just like it that is that is frustrating for sure. And it just it doesn't make much sense. And it, it also doesn't make much sense too when you talk about, you know, the other area for this Colts and it's lacking all season long is forcing turnovers. Now, I know a large part yeah. of that is Shaq Leonard's absence. I get it. But still, this is a talented group on all three levels where you look at, again, you come in with a Steelers team. And part of the reason why I thought this this Colts team would win the game by double digits for the first time this year, which is not on the offense, but just the defense absolutely putting the clams on this Steelers offense. It's been very inept so far. And it's like and they obviously have the one of the worst first halves of the season, and they don't force a turnover. Like the Steelers were at zero turnover differential. In part because the offense was turned over so much, the defense is later taken away. But I believe coming into the game, top of head was fourteen and fourteen turnovers Mm -hmm. to take uh, to giveaways. So you have a Steelers offense that is plenty good at giving the ball away, just like the Colts are. And you couldn't force one turnover, and really put Kenny Pickett like there was not even like near misses, if you will. Georgia was like he was even really close to turn the ball over either. No, he
1: wasn't, And, and that's you know the two areas to me that were the most disappointing as far as the defense not taking advantage. One was takeaways because this was a team that that throws a lot of interceptions. It turns the ball over, like I said, 14 times, uh, not that far away from where the Colts were coming in Colts at 21 now, which is just an absolutely unacceptable number uh, by any measure. But, you know, 14 turnovers is unacceptable as well. You you don't press that issue at all. You don't even get them into any kind of issue. The other one is red zone. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. this was, this is not a good red zone team in, in Pittsburgh. If you can stop them on that last drive, if you stop them on that third down and force them to kick a field goal, that final drive, as inefficient as it was for the Colts, you're just trying to set up a field goal to take a lead. You don't need a touchdown to tie at that point. It would have been 19 to 17 if you force a field goal down there. They can't do it, you know. The, and even with the drop on on second down, they can't do it. Uh, that to me was was really those two areas. If nothing else, you thought they would be good there, you know, hold up in the red zone, keep this Pittsburgh team out of the end zone most of the day and get a turnover or two and and the inability to do that uh you know i ultimately got what they deserved i mean that that's i feel like pittsburgh deserved to win this game and the colts didn't and and that's that's the way the outcome looks now so i one thing i hope that comes out of all this hopefully the networks take the colts out of that in the hunt graphic now hopefully this loss ends that
0: that's a good point. I couldn't believe my eyes when watching the games on Sunday. It's just like, what are they like? What are we doing? Like, that, are they forced to put three teams? Like, is this some sort of protocol? It's like, we got to have three teams no matter what the record is. Four, six, and one in the hunt. Give me a break. You're a hunt. That's a good point, George. That's a that's one of saving graces. Four, seven, one. They are not in the hunt. They are absolutely not in the hunt whatsoever. My, God. you're right about that, but. It's just another another game that felt winnable. They let it go. So let me ask you this then, George. Considering the opponent, considering who played, because I think it's also important as well, would you say this is the worst loss of the Colts this season?
1: Yeah. I mean, they had a fully healthy offense. So you go back to like that week two game against Jacksonville, which is probably the most embarrassing loss of the year. Uh, you didn't have your top two receivers. A good point. Or two of your top three receivers. Yeah, so, you're right. you know, there's at least some, you know, explanation there. And you go back to – uh, the 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 loss in New England, which was just wretched and in and, and is also in contention for worst loss of the year. You know, Sam Allinger's is a starting quarterback. Jonathan Taylor didn't play, you know, right, that, right there. There's other things there. But today the offense was healthy. Everybody was out there. I mean, Ryan Kelly was out for a little while at center, but we know Danny Pinner can hold his own. There has in the past did for the, the period. He was out there today you just weren't able to take advantage of a really leaky Steelers secondary and you weren't able you know your defense just didn't get it done and i think that's the biggest thing um I, I would honestly say the two most like painful avoidable whatever word you want to use losses to me this year there's a bunch i mean all seven of them are in contention
0: laundry list yeah
1: but to me this one and in in the second loss in tennessee just felt like games that you know, if, if the defense plays the way it usually does and gets a stop here and there, and the offense is just mediocre, you win those games. And and I think again, I, you know, I go back to it's so easy to say they're so close, they're so close. Look at this, you know, if they make the play here, they make the play there. The record could be whatever. That's what separates the good and bad teams in the NFL right now, though. Most of the time, being a bad team, with the exception of Houston, it doesn't mean that you have a, a massive talent deficiency in in this league. It means that you're not consistently making the plays you need to make. The, the winning You're not protecting the football. You're not protecting your quarterback. And you're not, you know, situational football. You're not good. Today, what happened? Third down, terrible percentage. Red zone, they were a little bit better at, but they just never got there. So right. it didn't, didn't matter. Um, You know, didn't protect the ball. It, it's just situational football. You know, that decides NFL games. What, 75% of the time? I might be low on that.
0: I mean, like, if you really talk about, like, what's the difference between the Colts and the Lions right now? Colts are more talent? Yeah. But it's like, you talk about You're right. Like, outside of, like, maybe the top two or, or the bottom two or three teams in the NFL, for the most part, the, like, the talent gap isn't, like, the reason why the Colts are losing all these games. You're 100% right. They can't finish the freaking game. And that's why I feel like this game is by far the worst loss of the season because you kind of hit on it. This is the first game of the year where the Colts had all their players healthy and the offense played bad and the defense played bad all at the same time, all with everyone like out there. Like I said, the Patriots game, Sam Millinger, just right there and then and there, period, stop. Okay, that's, there's the excuse. Week two, a great point with Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman Jr. both missing the game. And plus it's in Jacksonville. It's almost, again, write that one mm-hmm. off. The Colts can't win in there. That's, a, that's an easy L right there. But it's like this is the first game where you look at both Titans' losses. You can argue the first half of the Tennessee game in week four, the Colts' uh, defense stunk. And the second half, they were elite defensively. And offensively, they showed a little bit of life, but, again, never kind of put it together. Second, I mean, the second game in Tennessee – the Titans did not score an offensive touchdown. Now you're they could have the Colts defense could have used a big stop, you know, late in the fourth quarter they couldn't get, but they didn't allow it a freaking offensive touchdown. So it's like it's hard to get on the defense when you, you know, hold Tennessee to just a few field goals. This is the first game where, like you said, the defense is, is to blame, the offense is to blame, and they were fully manned. I, I'm with I think this is the worst loss of the year.
1: If if Dallas Flowers doesn't have that 89 yard kickoff return. This might be a blowout. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I don't think that's a stretch to say that got the offense going. They got back into it. They got the lead, but you take away the third quarter, they were outscored what twenty four to three outside of that quarter.
0: I think you're right. Let me just. I'm sorry. Now I got to pull up the box score here, but I think you're right because it was
1: against a team that came in three and seven, and that's why to me, if you want to you want to talk about the worst losses of the year, we're putting everything into context. This was not a good football team. They played. And outside of one quarter,
0: they got twenty-four win. to three. Twenty-four to three. You're 100 percent right, George. It's like it, it, it was embarrassing. I like said they against a Steelers team that, again, on paper coming in is worse than they are. With a rookie quarterback, the best receiver. I mean, they hate Johnson Johnson, but right now, George Pickens was making all kinds of plays. So, a rookie receiver, rookie quarterback, Najee Harris, the best running back, left the game midway through the second, you know, second quarter. So. you're for yep. o- over half the game, they didn't have their number one running back. TJ Watt's still working his way back, you know. And that's something, too, to the, give the Colts credit for how bad their offensive lines has been this year. TJ Watt was a non factor. So, one of, if not arguably the best defensive player in the NFL, was irrelevant, was invisible. And it's like that's still, uh, if you say, going to this game, it's Kenny Pickett, obviously, it's George Pickens, Najee Harris is going to miss over half the game, and TJ Watt doesn't have, like you forget he's on the field. Just, Overall, that should be a Colts win, especially now when you give them those parameters. That should absolutely be a relatively easy Colts win. And now we're talking about another loss in which they fail to get it done. And another team, despite the talent, despite who's playing what position, they make more plays than the Colts do. And like I said, I mean, 20, you, you mentioned it. They look, and the, the fact that not only they outscored 24 3 in basically the three quarters outside of the third quarter, the first had they look lifeless. Like, that's yep. the one thing. Like, they looked like they were under Frank Reich for a while. And one of the things we yep. talked about at least to the first two games with Jeff Saturday was, at least this team has some juice. At least this team in the first half is showing some compete level where in the first half, for the most part, especially towards the end, with Sam Ellinger's quarterback under you know, the last two games with Frank Reich, they were just completely lifeless and dead.
1: And they went that's back a, to that. That, to me, is going to be really interesting to watch next week because that's that's my thought in the first half was, you know, we talked about this on the show all along that, that there's a shelf life on on the energy that, that jeff saturday is bringing right. to the team and now look playoffs are by anybody's estimation not in the picture anymore there's not a whole lot left to play for but pride it'll be really interesting to see how they come out because that dallas team you play like this in the first half next week and it's going to be real ugly uh, not that it wasn't real ugly today, but you know, you, you mess around with this Dallas team the way they did Pittsburgh today, and and it's going to be biblically ugly. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think you've got to be. But to me, it's another. Te- we keep talking about like the tests of Jeff Saturday. Okay, look, you had I would say arguably the worst first half of the year, given the opponent, given the context, given the situation, and At you the came stage. out third quarter and, and turned it around. So that's you know a point in, in his favor now a huge test coming up it's a short week you're going to go play a dallas team that can make a lot of teams look ugly just go ask the vikings about that it's i think it's another litmus test coming up next sunday
0: and whether we could talk about either in the midweek pod or the preview pod george is to your point too like not only now does the energy like kind of like start to fade away now that, like you're getting used to jeff saturday and kind of like the newness wears off but also, too, now that you see Jeff Saturday in his first real kind of pivotal moment as head coach kind of fumble the two-minute, you know, the two-minute drill clockwise, like I said, you're 4-7-1. to This Colts team is made of high-character guys. But you want to just, you know, guy comes off the street, you know, wasn't with us in training camp. Like, we talked about all the reasons why it would be tough for him to win over a locker room. First two weeks, he did win a locker room. But now it's like, okay, start to see Jeff Saturday make decisions that could and they are starting to cost you games. At what point do you start to kind of, like I throw the towel and just maybe stop listening. It's going to be fascinating to see this week, especially. Uh, and as the rest of the season goes on, like I said, one of the reasons why we kind of talked about the, the interesting move was there's a lot of season left. And so five yeah. games for this team to go where it's still a long, long, long season. And it's really going to, you know, it's it's tough to kind of buy in. It's tough to keep playing hard for either a guy you don't believe in or a guy that continues to, you know, not give you the best chance to win whatsoever. So it's, yeah, it's in going to be regard- fascinating to see
1: even regardless of the head coach, I mean, you're, you're reaching a point where you came in with these really lofty expectations, you know, win the division and and go in a playoff game. And now you're, you're hitting a point in the year where all that's off the table. At best. You're going to be nine, seven and one. If you win out against a schedule that does not look like you're going to go five and oh. And even then it probably won't be good enough or might not be good enough to get you into the playoffs. Like it's even if, if, you know, Sean Payton was here as the head coach right now. I I don't know that it would be much different. You're you're running a risk now with this locker room. All they really have to play for is their own pride. Now, there's a lot of it in there. I mean, Michael Pittman, once again, taking it on his own shoulders. I don't really know what he thinks he did today that that cost them the game, but he's not happy. You know, he felt like he needed to do more. Um, Zaire Franklin, you know, standing up and and being that stand-up guy he is and, and saying that, you know, he needed to do more. I just don't know how long you can hold on on that. I mean, it's just human nature. Like you're talking about, you're getting beaten down. I mean, you know how we feel doing the podcast. Imagine how the players feel in the locker room week after week of this and and going through this. You know, at least we don't get hit while we're watching (laughs) all of this. So it's I just think it's a it's a really telling week in terms of, you know, can Jeff Saturday keep this group together? Now knowing the Colts, they'll go and beat Dallas just because that's the way they do things. But I think it's a really telling where they're at
0: (laughs) five, seven, one, put a, put the graphic back up. Let's go back in the hunt. Oh God. This is going to be, uh, this is going to be an interesting week, George, to say the least. All right. When we turn here in the blue horseshoe pilot, let's wrap it up and, We did talk about John Taylor a little bit, but there's one area about John and Taylor that's a little concerning to me. We'll get into that and also some other uh, offensive performances, including Jelani Woods. Like, oh, well, let's talk some positives, George. Yeah, we we can't just harp on the negatives for for almost an hour here. We gotta get, especially since it's 1:30 in the morning almost, we gotta get some positives here to talk about as we do wrap up the blue horseshoe pod. We'll do that when the pod returns. Back here, three, two, and one. Back here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast, as always, Ronicky George Bremer here with you. If you made it this far, make sure you download, like, and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your pods. So, George, again, statistically, I I have no idea why the official score decided to give the fumble uh, in the third quarter to Matt Ryan instead of Jonathan Taylor. It clearly looked like Jonathan Taylor just uh, closed his arms too quickly, and that was his fumble, not Matt Ryan's. Uh, Also, really quickly, on a side note, I have no idea how Matt Ryan did not recover that fumble. I thought he fell on top of it, no problem. And all of a sudden the Steelers player runs out of the ball. I, I didn't see another replay. I have no idea how he didn't jump on that and cover it up. Anyway, long story short, John Teller, again, should have fumbled. It should have been his. That should have been his fourth lost fumble of the season. And you look at his first two years in the NFL so far, he's had three combined lost fumbles. So officially he has three this year matching his first two-year total the fumbles are, were an issue at Wisconsin. That's kind of the one bugaboo that John Taylor coming out of college was uh, dinged with. And really this year, after doing a good job the first two years, it's popping up in a r- really bad time, and especially some of the fumbles, all three actually, really inopportune times.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've all come down. They weren't all at the one-yard line, but they've all come down deep in, in opposing territory uh, and in games that have been one-score games. I mean, the, yep. the Tennessee game here, you get a first down in that situation. Who knows how that changes? Obviously, last week against Philadelphia, you've got the first down. You just need to find a way to get down and, and yeah. fall, fumble the ball in the scrum. And then here, uh, wasting an opportunity at the one-yard line when the crowd, well, at least the 50% of the crowd that was rooting for the Colts, <laughs> was really at a full roar and was, was getting into it. Uh, you know, It just felt like they were really building momentum at that point, and you just can't lose the ball there, obviously. I don't know. Maybe they need to bring Tom Rathman in uh, for a quick boot camp. You know, I think he's the guy who really turned things around. He he was always kind of seen as a ball control guru. Mm -hmm. I think he's the guy that really set Taylor on that course for his first two years. Um, But it's just not, you know, it, it, it can't continue to happen. There's no question about that. Harping on him because it's been him the last couple of weeks, but it's been a little bit of everybody. I mean, Michael Pittman's had a a few too many of these situations. Obviously, Matt Ryan has had way too many of these situations. Um, He's cleaned it up a little bit since he came back, but, you know, you just can't do that as as a veteran in, in this league. It's killing this football team. I mean, it's just you cannot continue to turn the ball over in opposing territory. You just can't. They're not good enough to overcome that kind of thing.
0: And they're, no, not, not at all. They need everything to go right for them to win some of these games. You know, we talked about the offense and it's not explosive. You need a lot of things to go right just for you to kind of put together a ten-play, 80 yard drive, nowhere to score a touchdown. And, and like I said, they are nowhere near good enough to overcome a fumble at the one yard line that, uh, you know, does kind of room momentum there. Now to crowd, square. They did bounce back on a nice drive to score a touchdown right afterwards. But again, now you look at the end of the game, they lose my touchdown. Who, you know, who, like if you score a touchdown there, take like a 17, 16 lead. Steelers go three. Now you get the ball back again. Like they, this could be a, we could be talking about a Colts, like 10.1 here, George, maybe if that fumble changes the game, like doesn't happen. And we're, again, it's another game changing turnover by the Colts.
1: That's one thing, you know, we 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 killed the defense in the last segment. Rightfully so they deserved it today. But the one thing they did do well today, they, they cleaned up both turnovers. I mean, the other Mm -hmm. one was deep in the Colts territory and they actually forced a punt, got a sack on third down, give them no points on that. And then after the one at the one yard line, they went three and out right away, got the ball right back to the offense. The offense was able to punch it in and, and take the lead. Uh, that's the one thing that the defense did well today. I don't know about, you know, I can't give them much of a pat on the bat for anything else. But in the quick change situation today, they were really good.
0: They absolutely were. But it's just another situation where just awful turnovers really do kill you. And again, with Jonathan Taylor, like I said, maybe it's, it is bringing Tom Ratham back in the offseason or have him work with JT in the offseason, just him, those two. But whatever it is, they have to figure out something where John Taylor is getting better control of the ball. But like I said, everyone on the team is getting better control of the ball. But at least the last few weeks, uh, last two weeks specifically, it's been John Taylor fumbling at just inopportune times that have really kind of changed the game here for the Colts in a very, very negative way. All right, let's finish up, George, with – uh, a positive, And that was Jelani Woods having by far his breakout game of his career, uh, being the most reliable, most explosive player on offense. He had nine targets, which is second highest on the team, which is very impressive. Finished with eight catches for 98 yards, averaged 12 yards a catch, which again, for an offense is averaging 4.7 yards per play. He was the only explosive player on this team. It's good to see him come back from injury to really kind of finding his groove and, Again, for a big question mark at tight end coming into the season, Jolion Woods is, when he's been on the field and got his opportunities, not that they've been a lot, but he's making the most of it. And I thought really, you know, Monday night kind of put that to the forefront.
1: Yeah, no, it was a big, big moment for him on a big stage. Um, You know, really breakout game in a lot of ways. And I think most of that came in the second half, if not all of it. He didn't do much of anything in the first half. So say he catches for 98 yards pretty much in the second half of this game, uh, which is just huge. Uh, really got things going, you know, had some huge catches on those touchdown drives uh, and he did it all with really a really heavy heart. I think that's one of the things that, that you know, uh, people are probably aware of the fact that he went to the University of Virginia. I'm sure everybody aware of what happened there a couple of weeks ago uh, with shooting and the death of the three players. He was really close with all three guys. One of them was actually his locker mate when he was there. Uh, so he saw him, you know, 24 seven. Those guys you probably see them more than I see my wife. You know what I mean? Uh, well, you know how that goes. Uh, so for him uh, to to go through that situation, this was the first game he played since that happened. Uh, just an incredibly emotional day for him. He was very emotional in the locker room afterwards. Had a long talk with Zaire Franklin, who might just be one of the best people in the NFL, just on a, on a human standpoint. Uh, Zaire's had to deal with, way more of that in his life than, than probably anyone should have to, as far as people close to him, losing them. And, you know, he just talked to, to Jelani about how to handle it. Cause Jelani said he was in a dark spot and that happened. I think anyone's going to have a problem with that. When your former teammates, you know, taken from you in, in, that situation. Uh, and then he's at the same time, he's, he's rehabbing from really his first pro injury, trying to get back on the field. There's a lot of negative thoughts going through his mind Zahir just kind of sat him down and and said, "Look, you know this is how I handled it. This is how you get through this." And Jelani said, "Point blank, that's that's what got him back to the light. That's what that's why he had the game he had today. Because that talk was Zahir Franklin." So, uh, you know, I think sometimes we make too much out of football. I think we 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 make you know what happens on the field to be too big. That's a real life story. That's a huge win for Jelani Woods. I don't care what the scoreboard says. The eight catches for 98 yards are great. He's going to remember that to come out, have that kind of performance where he was during the week, what he's dealt with the last couple of weeks for Zaire Franklin to be that kind of a teammate. That's what really matters. That's the stuff those guys are going to remember 10 years from now.
0: You're 100% right. And like I said, it's just the game is impressive in and of itself. Just the numbers and Jelani's performance in a game where he's never gotten that volume before of targets and, and yards, its career's highs, uh, career High is in everything, like he's just not been relied upon in that you know situation like that before until really Monday night. And like I said, especially now to have that performance step up when you need to, especially in some big moments, like can half on top of like and everything weighing on him, uh, off the field. There's just a h- horrific tragedy with, with the team. And like I said, it's one thing what happens to what happens in general, obviously, it's horrific. It's something what happens to your specific school, and it's just sad, but it's another totally separate, you know, different animal. When it's, you know, the ones involved, you are friends with the people involved. You have to deal with that. And, you know, like I said, sit with it for a while on top of being injured, you know, and when you're injured, as you know, it's kind of like, it's a dark, depressing place. We don't really talk about it a lot because as fans, all we do is just watch guys on the field and we're not at practice. But when you're like rehabbing, you're mostly by yourself, like, you know, players talk about it. It's a dark place to be where you're away from the team. You're not doing anything team related. It's just kind of like going through, you know, frustrating, you know, exercises and rehab and pain, you know, pain in order to get back but you're kind of doing it on your own, it's it's a really, like I said, really tough spot to be in overall. And it's just a credit to Jelani Woods, the person, the character he has, to, like I said, be able to bottle all that up. And credit to Zaire franklin Wolf for putting him in a good headspace, but bottle it up and use that in a positive way. Because we've seen too many times guys had that emotion and it overtakes them in a negative way, both on and off the field.
1: And I think that's the thing, you know, sometimes we, 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 we get so caught up in four, seven and one and the offense is terrible. And the defense had their worst game and all those things are true. And that's what we're here for. That's what we're talking about. But this is way beyond football. And, and I think as people, you know, what Jelani Woods did this week, what Zaire Franklin did this week, I, that's how I would hope where we all would be in these situations, being able to step up, whatever your job is, whatever, you know, is going on in your life, being able to step up, perform the way he did on this stage uh, that's, That's outstanding. I don't care what the final score is. You know, that's he deserves all the credit on earth for that. And for Zaire to be there the way he was, that's definition of teammate. That's what you want. They're not on the same side of the ball. They're not even really all that close to each other in a locker room. But Zaire saw a teammate who was hurting. He he saw a situation where he'd been through similar, you know, circumstances and he stepped up. And that's, that's the epitome of a captain. That's what you, that's what you need to do. You came into this, this, Week leading the NFL in tackles. I don't know where he'll be when, when all is said and done. That's that means nothing compared to what he did for Jelani Woods this week. I, I, I just mean, that's that's huge.
0: And we mentioned it too a few times throughout the year, George. And I think this is something that Chris Ballard has taken a lot of pride in—a uh, a team of filled with high character players and and guys that you know fit. Just forget about the, you know the skill set, but they fit the personality of the locker room. And like you mentioned, you, you kind of bring to light that story, especially from Zaire Franklin's perspective. It goes to show like what this Colts team is truly made of. Again, I know fans, we, we care about wins and losses, but when you have kind of those guys in and around your locker room, it's always, it's never a bad thing to have. Like I said, it always does help you both on the field, but especially off the field too, helping a teammate out, showing, like I said, going out of your way. You don't have to. Like it's very easy for anyone in any walk life. Just like, ah, I got enough stuff to deal with. You know, they can deal with it on their own or I don't have time, whatever. It's just such a credit to the the people that of who they are. Uh, on this Colts roster, kind of always, kind of helping each other out and kind of putting the team and others first ahead of themselves for sure. Two quick things here to kind of bring a little extra light, if you will. Number one, great game for Jelani. The only bad news is George; his touchdown percentage is going to go plummeting right down. He was a, yep. he used to be a perfect hundred for a hundred, you know, hundred percent touchdown every catch he had was a touchdown. That is that is quickly plummeting. Which is, hey, sorry, Jelani, but it's a in one way it's a good thing. Nice to get opportunities, but man. That percentage is taken. <laughs> There's
1: nowhere to go but down from where he was at. Unfortunately,
0: that's what was it. Two for two for two. Anyway, three for three. I Forget the exact. Yeah, he was two he for two for sure. Yeah, he was. Two yeah, for, two and for that sure. Chief scheme. Uh, I forget if he got a third one or not, but he was. He was up there. He was a record breaker for sure.
1: And Game winning touchdown.
0: That's right. That's right. And then the Jaguars two touchdown. The uh the venture yep. go ahead one was. He's been Mr. Clutch in the end zone, but now. Nine catches, that touchdown percentage going down. And the other thing is, I don't know about you, I love the throwback uniforms. Like I, <laughs> it's Whether it's the stripes on the side or the stripes on the socks, if the Colts were to make those a full-time unis, I'd be okay with it. They look very clean on Monday night. and that's a shame they can't win in them. Lost last year to the Bucs, this year to the Steelers. So I'm superstitious, so never wear them again because they can't win in them. <laughs> but that said, if they're going to lose, at least they look good losing
1: yeah they may have to throw those out we'll have to see how that goes but the, at least they did look good in defeat uh you know that that's about the only thing you can say as far as on the field goes that that was good today uh you know we'll see i mean i think we're at a point where um we kind of talked about it early in the week you know if they lose this game is it hard for for the fans to continue to invest and i think we're definitely at that point so uh you know there's gonna be a lot of talk about head coaches and college quarterbacks and draft position and that kind of stuff the rest of the way. It'll be interesting to see how the Colts respond.
0: Absolutely. What was the, what was the crowd like George in the stadium tonight? I mean, there was a lot of terrible talent shown on TV, but so you can have the fans caring especially in the third quarter, it sounded loud to me at least, but what was the stadium? Yeah. What was the vibe in the stadium? Like,
1: I mean, the Colts fans that were here, the ones that didn't sell their tickets to to people from Pittsburgh, were really loud and they were really into it. I mean, they were they were booing the team off the field at halftime. I don't know if you could hear that <laughs> on TV or not, uh, but they were definitely you know letting them know their displeasure. And they were really loud when the Colts gave them reason to be. You know, I, I think one of the things that was so disappointing in that fourth quarter, both times the Colts got the ball with with a chance to tie or take a the lead, uh, there were audible defense chants coming out, out of the crowd. They almost had to go to a silent count in their own home field which is not unusual for pittsburgh i still i've said this before i'll say it again they could play a game on the moon and there'll be twenty thousand Steelers fans there i, I don't know how right. that happens uh they're everywhere you know it doesn't matter where that you go are. uh and and it, it's a great fan base and they show out and they they definitely supported their team today but i thought the colts fans that were here did everything the team gave them the power to do
0: that's yeah, that's also true. It doesn't help when the home team's empowering the away team with poor play for three full quarters. And the one quarter they played well had a backbreaking turnover to kind of like I said, charge up the Steelers fans for sure. But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be definitely interesting to see kind of like I said, the fan interaction, fan reaction, if we will. And the buying here the last, uh, last five games of the season, we do trickle on down, but to wrap up this pod, George, it's another podcast that is full of depression, full of frustration and full of kind of the, the same talking points we've been hitting on all, all season long so far. Bad turnovers, bad offensive play, defense not being able to make a uh, you know a game-changing play when uh, relied upon, and it all ends up in a loss to drop to 4-7-1. Colts lose on Monday night uh, to the Steelers 24-17, continue to get dominated by Pittsburgh. i Have not beaten them since, what is it, 2008 now? 2008. Long way to go. Another year in the books for the Steelers. We will be back on the midweek pod a little bit later on Wednesday, but still on Wednesday since you've been listening to the blue horseshoe pod after dark. So uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, to kind of break down a little bit more from Jeff Saturday's bad clock management, what it means for the buy-in of this team going forward. It's going to be, that's going to be something to watch for sure. It's going to be interesting uh, to say the least. So I guess I would say have a good rest of rest of your week, but it's, it's, Tough, tough way to start the week, George. That's that's for sure. At least when the Colts lose on Sunday, it's one thing, but now to kind of have your Monday, you're up late watching it, you go to bed probably upset, and now it kind of carries into your Tuesday. Really brutal week, brutal way to start the week.
1: Quick turnaround, too. Quick, quick turnaround, and a tough challenge next Sunday.
0: That is true. Back on the national stage. Just what the entire nation and, and frankly, Colts fans want to just have everyone else criticize the Colts, not just us, but oh boy, oh boy. So we will be back Wednesday. Make sure again, you're downloading, liking, and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you Wednesday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.